All right, we are in week three of five on our series we're calling Any Final Questions. We're taking a look at John chapter 13 and chapter 14. This is the Last Supper where Jesus is sharing this meal with his disciples. He knows what's to come. The disciples kind of don't. And so Jesus is telling them, hey, I've got to leave. Uh, And the disciples are really struggling with, what do you mean? What does this look like? Uh, How are we supposed to follow you um, as you leave us? And so we're highlighting five questions that five different disciples are asking within these two chapters. And we're trying to bring it into our life. How do we ask similar questions? And then how do Jesus' answers help us know how we're supposed to follow him as well? Uh, Today we're going to look at a question uh, of how to follow Jesus when we don't know where to go. You know, it's not an obvious path. I don't know how many times in your life, but in my life, it feels like when a big decision is looming, I say, okay, God, like, what do you have for me? Like, where do you want me to go? Like, what, what's your will for my life, right? Like the classic question. Like, I remember when I was my last semester of college, you know, I had the privilege of attending for four years and kind of putting off that decision of who do you want to be when you grow up. And, and now it's spring semester and it's kind of pending where, okay, I'm going to need to find a full-time job. And I, I just didn't know what to do. So I actually made a little decoration uh, for my, my dorm room and I put it up on the wall, not because it looked good, but because it was going to help me decide what I was going to be. So I drew a circle and then inside the circle, I drew little slices and put different options of things that I could possibly pursue as a career and then put a little arrow in the middle that could spin around like a little tack. And so whatever I was feeling that that week, you know, you just kind of move it around and, and you pray through it like, okay, God, how about this time? What's it going to be, right? So I'd, I'd studied chemistry and economics. I put both of those fields in there. I said, that's probably the two areas I'm going to go, except I just really didn't care about either of those, you know? And so it was one of those like, we'll add some other things here as well. Uh, yeah, I thought school was just like something you did for fun, right? Like I didn't actually recognize it was supposed to prepare me for anything. Uh, I like teaching. I was uh, leading a Bible study uh, through my church. And so I said, okay, maybe teacher and maybe pastor. We'll add those on there. And then it was right after the 2008 uh, recession hit. So I'm like, well, there's always grad school. You can just kick the can down the road and then just decide about what you want to be when you grow up a few years later. So I had those options for sure. And so I just pray, okay, God, like, what do you want me to be? It felt like it was a big decision, right? Like this is going to shape who I am, you know, like however I decide to pursue, like you can't just erase, go back and start over. So, okay, God, what, what do you want for me? You know, it's like you sense that, that God has prepared a way for me, that there's a certain path that I'm supposed to take and I, I can't mess this up. Uh, I remember I applied for and received a, uh, a high school science teaching position in Washington, D.C., um, and so I, that upped the ante, and now I started praying fervently, more frequently, like, Lord, is this, is this it? Or am I, am I, am I going too far in, in this direction? Am I pushing something where it's not supposed to be? I mean, you, you guys have been in that situation, right? Um, as you might have guessed, I, uh, I declined that position, um, and I also chose not to pursue a path in chemistry or economics not a teacher. I actually didn't choose to be a pastor or grad school. I got hired by a software company. (laughs) Uh, It's because I couldn't find a job. I moved back in with my parents and I was searching all over. And so it's easy for me to look back and say, well, you missed it, right? I mean, God had something for you, you know, because eight years later, 
I was in seminary studying to become a pastor, right? So it's like, oh, well, clearly he wanted you to be, I don't know, I don't know, right? Hindsight, 2020, but I wouldn't have moved to Wisconsin, wouldn't have met Sherry, had my first kids there. Maybe I wouldn't even be a pastor based on how it happened. I don't know how God works all these things, but that question still remains with me, right? Well, what's your path for me, right? Like, what, what do you have me do? Or I, in my life now, when there's decisions, like, okay, but which one do you want for me? It's not obvious. How am I supposed to follow Jesus here? Or even like with our church, right? We're talking about what's the future of our church going to be, right? Is it going to be here? Is it going to be somewhere else? What's our mission? What's our role within the community? Lord, you, you show us, you know, like what, what path? We could do anything, you know, like what is it? You know, and it's this question, right? How can we follow Jesus when it's just not clear where he's leading us? Now, that's the question that the disciples were asking because uh, Jesus is telling them, I'm leaving you and where I'm going, you can't follow, but you will a little later. And they're like, wait, where, where are you going? Like, how do, we, how do we get there? They need to know, how can we follow you? What do you mean? And Jesus' answer is key for us as well, and it'll help answer us. Uh, we're in John chapter 13, uh, verse 31. We're going to go to John 14, verse 6 today. So we'll have it up on the screen. Grab a Bible, grab your app, or just listen along. Uh, We'll read it all, and then we'll break it down. John chapter 13, verse 31. When he was gone, this is uh, Judas. Remember from last week, he uh, dipped dipped the bread, gave it to Judas, said, go do what you're doing quickly. Um, And the the other disciples seemed to not really understand what was happening. It says, when he was gone, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Then in 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that's where we're going to be focusing, those verses. Uh, when, when I read this, uh, even now, it, there's so much there. You know, like, like when I, I grew up in the church, so, so you know, you, you learn Bible stories, you know, and so you've got uh, this new command that I give to you, love one another. You have Peter saying, I'm going to follow you to the death, and Jesus is like, yeah, really? You know, it's like, you're going to disown me three times tonight. Uh, then, then he says, I'm going to, to, to prepare rooms for you in my father's house and, and comfort you with that. Uh, and then last, that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, all of these are connected to a single message that Jesus is trying to share with the disciples this entire meal, this entire night. And so I want to show you how uh, these verses aren't just great verses to you know, print out and post up on a wall or, or, or learn from directly from them, but rather they're all connected together and Jesus really wants to comfort his disciples. 
you know, so, so this, whole, this whole night, it says all the way from the beginning in chapter 13, he knew what was about to happen, meaning he knew he had to go die on the cross by himself. The disciples would not be there to support him. And then he knew he was going to rise again. He knew that this was how he was going to save humanity, how he's going to reconcile them to God. And so it's weighing heavy on him. And so he's processing this all with the disciples uh, a lot of what he is doing, it will only be known and only known fully after his death and resurrection when they can look back and they could see, oh, that's what you're doing. And so you have disciples that are concerned, that are confused, that are uh, feeling both bold and also timid. You know, like Judas was just uh, called out as being the b- betrayer, or if the disciples didn't quite know that he was going to be the one betraying, they know that one of them will betray them. And then you have Simon Peter saying like, well, I won't. No, I'm going to follow you to the death. And Jesus is like, yeah, I, I appreciate your heart, you know, but, but your, your words are going out before your, your actions. You know, you're not strong enough to follow up what you're saying. And can't we <laughs> relate to that, right? Yes, I follow you, Jesus. Ooh, um, yeah, sorry about that, <laughs> you know, where uh, this is our experience, you know, and, and I want us to start by looking at the beginning of 14, where he comforts his disciples. How does he comfort them? This is in this moment. I mean, he's just said one of you is going to betray me. Peter's saying, I'll follow you to the death. And he's like, no, you won't really. You know, so everyone's dejected here, right? Where I'm going, you can't follow. It's like, Jesus, what's up? Here's what he says to comfort them. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would, have, uh, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Jesus starts by saying, believe in me, right? You believe in God, believe also in me. Uh, different interpretations or my Bible might say, believe in God, believe in me. He's asking for their trust, I understand that you don't understand. I ask you to trust me because I have your best interest at heart. And then he talks about how he is going to prepare a place where he can dwell with us, where, where we can be connected, right? So you don't understand now where I've got to leave you, but we're going to be connected. Uh, when Jesus, no, I, so when I've always heard this verse or this, this passage of verse, uh, series of verses, set of verses, I've always heard it as comfort for us when we die right, where he's going to his father's house to prepare a place for us. So therefore, we know that when, when you die, there's nothing to be worried about because he's already prepared a place for you. You know, it's like we're, we're hosting our uh, brother and sister-in-law, our Sherry's sister and their family. And so all day yesterday, Sherry's like cleaning every nook and cranny of our house, right, to prepare a place for them so that when they come and when they arrive, it's like, ah, we're ready for you and we want you to be here. Like, that's kind of what I thought Jesus was saying in this passage. It's like, I'm at work right now up in heaven. A lot of y'all are dying. And so I'm just kind of going around scrubbing everything and making sure that all the sheets are clean so that you'll have a place to come in. Uh, But if you look at the context, um, Jesus isn't comforting the disciples because they're worried about dying. No, they're worried about being separated from Jesus because he's saying, I'm leaving you. And they're saying, where are you you going? So, I mean, that's very much true. There is a place for us. There is no fear of death. I mean, God will receive us in heaven. But what Jesus is talking about in this passage, the message he wants to share with the disciples is Yes, we will be separated for a bit, but it's necessary because I'm going to actually create a home for you where now we can dwell together. And, and what's more, when he talks about his father's house, what would the disciples have heard? I mean, that's a metaphor, right? I mean, he's not going to someone's house, right? 
Well, the Father's house, John's already used it in chapter two. That's, that's the temple. That's the Father's house. That's where God's, the unique place where God's presence dwelt on earth. This is what John writes in uh, chapter two. He said, to those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my Father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. So what the disciples hear is when Jesus says, I'm going to my father's house where there are many rooms, I'm going to prepare you one. They think, okay, well, some way he's going to go to the temple. There were a lot of rooms in the temple for the priests to do their business and to dwell in God's presence separate from the people. So not that that provides any illumination for the disciples. They think, okay, in some way you're going to help us like be a priest, which is only set apart for the Levites, certain tribe that they weren't. Like, okay, I guess that sounds good. What do you mean? But go further, even in this passage, you keep reading John chapter two, uh, Jesus says, if you destroy this temple, I'll rebuild it in three days. Confuse the people. They're like, yeah, there's no way. It took 46 years to build it. And then John adds the note, he was really talking about his body. Because in Jesus' mind, he viewed himself as that unique place where God's presence dwelled on earth. He was the fulfillment of the temple. You know, it is no longer a place, it was a person where God's presence dwelt. And so now when we see, well, he's going to go to his father's house and create rooms, you know, we can start seeing, oh, okay, so Jesus knew that he had to leave them in order to create a space where God could dwell with them and they could dwell with God forever. This is Jesus's goal. He's not just leaving them to get some business done and then come back with them. No, no, no. I want to give you a permanent spot so that you can live with me, I can live with you and we can be together in God's presence through Jesus, the true temple. So much symbolism there that, of course, the disciples couldn't quite see. But the main point, this is what God's heart is, what his desire for us, what his will is for our life. Ultimately, God's will for your life is to live in his presence. That, that is why God sent his son, right? That is why Jesus lived. That is why Jesus died. That's why he's leaving the disciples here. This is his purpose. This is his desire for us. He wants to create a place where we can dwell together. That's his desire, that we would just dwell with him. Uh, I don't know, for those of you who have kids, uh, do you ever wish that your kids would have seen you before they were born? You know, like in, in those, you know, six to nine months, right? Like, it, well, and maybe after they've been older, right? And then like look back when they can actually appreciate it. You know, like how much work goes into having a kid? You know, you're buying all the things, you know, and like especially if you're a new parent, you don't even know the things you aren't supposed to get, right? They know, I mean, new parents are suckers and the market knows it. And so they, they get, oh, you need this, you need this, everything. Why are you doing it? Out of the love of your heart right? I mean, it, it's irrational how much you try to prepare and how much you have. And you go, you go paint the room, you know, you get a crib, you match all the different sheets and everything. And the burp rags are matching the, I don't know, the rocking chair, you know, like towel or something. You know, it's like, because you love this kid, right? And then you, you make changes in your own life, right? You take a different job or you, you, you lower hours in your job. You rearrange your schedule. Why? So that you can be there for them. So that, because here's the thing, when that baby boy, or that baby girl is born at the hospital, you don't intend to just set up weekly visits at the hospital, right? No, you intend to bring that kid back and allow them to dwell as a part of your house where now your memories are going to be intertwined together, where your life and their life will be irrevocably connected, 
right? That it will be together. That's, that's what Jesus is talking about. Hey, I'm gonna, I need to go do this to prepare a place out of deep love for you so that we can be together and our experiences will be shared. You will not be known apart from your relationship to me. This, this is my desire. And I'm working, like, I need to do this, <laughs> is what he's saying. You know, and, and we're kind of like the newborn babies, right? Just puking and whining and pooping and <laughs> sleeping and not sleeping and, you know, and, and, and unable to even appreciate or understand the love that the Father is showing to us. You know, and that's, that's, a, that's a window, just a window. I mean, we've talked about his love when he washed the feet. Uh, it's fulfilled in this love of Jesus on the cross. He loves us and he wants to dwell with us. He doesn't just want to give us flowers. He doesn't just want to visit us. He wants to create a place in his home so that we can be there. That can be where, that, where we belong. And so if we see this passage here as uh, what God's mission is for us, that he wants the disciples to live in his, his presence, and it's not just for the future. It's not saying, yeah, when you die, then we can be together. For, no, no, no. I'm doing this so that you can live with me. We can be connected. And then you see, I mean, we see this is fulfilled in the cross, you know, where, where we understand that we can't dwell with God because of his holiness and our unholiness, right? We're, we're the, the baby that's going to make a mess on all those brand new bought sheets and burp rags and everything that you had. But Jesus says, through my death, the guilt from your sins will be paid completely, where you will now belong in a perfectly holy place. But only, only through my death is what he's saying. It's necessary for me to do this. Why, why can't you disciples follow me right now? Because I have to first go and prepare the place for you. Once I've died for you, then you can come and we can dwell together. But this is the necessary first step. So this is encouraging for us because no matter where we are, right, no matter how um, Poorly, we are able to follow Jesus. How much like Peter, we say, yes, I follow you, Jesus. And then you look at your life and you're like, oh, except for then and then and then. There's forgiveness for that. Jesus has already gone to prepare a place for you. Uh, I'll, I'll say it. I'll say it later. I'll say it later. Don't worry. <laughs> what, this, what this gives us is the, the foundation for making our decisions. What's God's will for my life? Well, he, he wants to dwell with you, right? So... You got that little spinny wheel thing, you know? Well, he, he just wants to dwell with you. Um, this is our answer, but it's also not the, the full answer because uh, I'm still stuck, you know, back last semester of college, I still have to make a decision. And it's like, great, I'm glad you want to be with me, God. So I guess you can be with me with all of them, but like, do you have, like, how do I, how do I step forward or how do, I, how do I get this then? You know, the decision's still there and it almost feels like, that's where Thomas is. We haven't, I mean, we've answered the question. We haven't even got to the question of the passage. Uh, what Thomas asks in the very next verse is, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And you have to understand the disciples didn't know Jesus was going to die on the cross for their sins. We do. So this becomes much more clear to us. They just know that Jesus says he has to do something in order that we might dwell with him and be present. And he said, you know the way. And Thomas is like, wait, I don't even know where you're going. How do I, like, how do I know the way that I'm supposed to follow you in a little bit? And I feel like sometimes that's us, where I get it, God, you, uh, you want to be with me. I want to be with you too. Thank you for dying on the cross. Also, I need to make a decision, you know? So like, it, like do you have anything for me? And then we have Jesus answering him uh, in probably a more clear way uh, than he has kind of previously that we've seen. And he says, well, this is the way. 
He says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, and again, I've always heard this verse taught to me as uh, this is why Christianity is the only true religion. You know, you can't get to Jesus or you can't get to God uh, through any other path other than Jesus. Um, it's funny, Jesus isn't talking about relative religions though here. He's not talking about other pathways that people are trying to find spiritual enlightenment. He's saying, when you are in the dark and you don't know which way to go, you know that you want to be with me and I recognize that in your heart. Here's the way. I am the way. He's saying this. He's saying the way is not a path, but a person, right? So it's not, there's not actually certain steps you're supposed to take and that's therefore the way. It, no, it's actually me that you're supposed to follow and that leads you to dwelling with me. My will for your life, the ultimate reason why I'm here, the reason why I created you, where we want to be. Uh, I think sometimes uh, we believe, I believe, you know, I'll speak for myself, that there's a certain path that I'm supposed to walk before God. You know, as if my actions, or, or my actions determine whether or not I'm going to enter into God's will, right? You know, like, ooh, I chose wrong, I chose to be a, a software programmer, and, you know, not God's plan, we got to redirect you eight years later. No, 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 no. It's not up to my actions whether or not I live within God's will. It's my trust in Jesus' actions already accomplished that allow me to live within God's will. So if I can remain in him, if I trust in Jesus, if I can follow him who has already created a way, prepared a place for me to dwell in God's presence, then I can enter in. It, my actions are actually not relevant. The path itself isn't my steps. Rather, it's Jesus and how closely we can hold on to him. Now, I know that that message in and of itself isn't new for you, especially if you've been in church, because believe in Jesus, trust in Jesus, follow Jesus. That's what we hear. Uh, it's a reminder, though, uh, you don't have to figure out the path. In fact, there is not a path to figure out. The path has already been walked by Jesus. We just hold on to him. Uh, so for us, the personal application is, how do I follow Jesus in my life? What does that look like? Um, I was uh, talking with Sherry, and she said, you've got you to, like, tell us how to do it. You know, it's like, what, like, what? You can't just say trust in Jesus or follow him. Um, and so I want to ask uh, Jay to come up and share just a little of what this looks like in your life, uh, knowing that we all have different lives, and it's going to look differently for each one of us. But I had a conversation with Jay uh, that was really encouraging to me, and I think it'll be encouraging to you as well. So, Jay, could you just share what does this walking with Jesus, following him, look like for you? Yeah, grab the mic here. I'll sit down. Testing. Oh, good. Hey, thanks, guys. Um, <clears throat> I just, I want to preface this um, by saying I don't really know what I'm doing um, the last like four months for me have been a super weird journey. And I actually, I, I told Brad, I'm like, hey, I want to meet with you um, because I'm on this path and I, I, I just want to make sure I'm not crazy, like doing what I'm doing. Um, and so I'm, this is something I'm very much still like processing through. So just have grace as I try to explain this. Some of you might think I'm crazy and that's totally okay. Um, I'm just trying to do what I think the Lord's asking. Um, but I'll, I'll preface this a little bit by saying, so it started about four months ago. 
Um, I went back to Ohio for a friend's wedding, and um, that weekend I was uh, kind of driving around with um, one of my good friends. That I just I have a lot of respect for him and his relationship with the Lord, um, and and I just I admire it a lot. And I'm like, that's what I want my walk with the Lord to be like. And so, in, in the midst of that weekend, there was a couple of comments that he made that just really caught me off guard. Um, like we were talking about um, his job and things that were going on in his life. And he mentioned um, he's like three years overdue for a promotion that he was promised when he started at this company. And he's like, you know, Jay, like we're just, me and my wife, are, we're just praying and trying to ask the Lord, like if, if he wants me to, to have that promotion or if he, wants to, if he wants me to stay in my current role or go elsewhere. And I was like, what? Like, what do you mean? Like, clearly it's the Lord's will for all of us to get promoted and make more money. Like, that's, that's obvious, like, I don't know about you, but for me, like, I, I feel very confident that Lord's will for my life is to make a lot of money and live very comfortably. Like, I just feel that's, that's it. And I was like, never once in my life have I ever asked the Lord, like, do you want me to take a promotion or do you want me to stay here? Like, even in my current job, like, my goal is, like, I'm going to try to climb the ladder as fast as I can. And I was like, I've never thought about that. And then, like, you know, we were talking another day, and he made the comment, um, he's, he's a really, like, very athletic guy, fit, loves to exercise and work out. Um, he's had a lot of health issues. And so we were talking, and he made this comment. I almost laughed out loud when he said it. Um, he's like, you know, Jay, I just feel like the Lord has recently given me permission, like, to start running again. I was like, what? giving you permission to start running. Like never once in my life have I ever asked the Lord, is it okay if I go for a run? I was like, it's almost comical to me. Um, and I was like, that just caught me so off guard. And then like we ended up leaving the weekend and I came back and the Lord just did not let me forget those two comments. Um, and as I was like wrestling with those, um, I, I, I thought of um, John 15 where Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I thought about my life, and I was like, you know, I invite the Lord into like the major areas of my life. Like when it comes to financial decisions, or um, like I don't ask the Lord if I should take a promotion, I ask him for a promotion. <laughs> so I'm like, I pray for those things. Um, or even like major health concerns, like my dad is recovering from cancer. And so I'm like, we very adamantly pray for his recovery and things like that. But I was like, you know, the major, those major aspects make up like 5% of my life. And so I got this image in my mind of like this big, beautiful apple tree that is my life. And I'm like, if, if I look at that apple tree, there's like 5% of that tree that's, that's got apples on it. And I'm like, if I were to see that tree just out in nature, I'm like, I would look at that tree and be like, that doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, wow, Lord, like, is, is that my life when you line it up with your word? And so what I've been trying to do the past, like, four months, really more like three months, I guess, is invite the Lord into, like, every area of my life that I typically live on autopilot. And I will say, sometimes I'm really good about this. Sometimes I'm, I'm really bad. Um, sometimes I just kind of tend to default back to like autopilot is I just, I know what my day is going to look like. I wake up in the morning, get ready for work, drive to work, go to work, come home, hang out with the kids, do dishes, 
watch a show, go to bed. That's, that's the life. That's what it is. And so what I've been trying to do is like think intentionally through what decisions do I like subconsciously make and how can I invite the Lord into those? And I'm telling y'all, it is so weird. Like when I started doing this, um, like a couple examples, I like pulled back into my apartment complex and like autopilot is I'm going to park at the closest spot to my, to our apartment. And I was like, you know what? Instead of doing that, I'm just going to stop and I'm going to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to park? Does the Lord care where I park? I don't know. Probably not. But maybe. And so I'm like, I don't know what that looks like. Or asking the Lord, um, instead of going to the grocery store that's closest to my house, like, Lord, which, just pausing for like 10 seconds, I'm like, Lord, which store do you want me to go to? And then I'll stop for like 10 seconds and listen. Sometimes he answers. Sometimes he doesn't. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. It's, it's very much like I'm just... I told Brad, I'm like, it feels like I'm on a frozen lake and I'm just like trying to take one step at a time. I'm like, I don't know at any point, is the ice going to just like collapse underneath me? Um, does the Lord care about any of this stuff? I don't know. Um, but what I can tell you is like what I've experienced these past like three months has been wild. Like things that I would never expect to get an answer to, I do. And I'm like, that's weird. I'm like, does the Lord really care about this stuff? And, um, and like, and I've started in, in the mornings, like on my way into work, instead of just going into autopilot, like I've started, like I'll start the car and I'll just say like out loud, I'm like, Lord, I know that you're like with us everywhere, but I'm like, I just want you to know like you are welcome um, in my car this morning. And like, I would love for you to join me on my morning commute. I don't know what that looks like. I probably sound crazy. Like if somebody overheard me, but I'm like, I just want you to know like you're welcome here. And like, if you have anything you want to say to me, I'm like, I'm, I'm listening, and I'm ready for you. And sometimes I'll feel like the Lord will lay certain people on my heart, like, to pray for. And then I'll reach out to them, and they're like, yeah, dude, I'm going through this crazy hard season. I was like, oh, wow. Like, I would have totally missed that if I was living my life on autopilot. And there's been, like, little things like that that I'm like, whoa. Like, what if instead of going to King Supers, because that's closest, I go to Walmart, and there's somebody at Walmart that just needs a word from Jesus. And I get to be that because I'm, I'm like in tune. And so I told Brad, I'm like, it just feels like there's this like new exciting adventure and my life has gone from like this little circle of, of what it can be to now like unlimited potential. And I was like, I wake up each day with like that new excitement of like, oh, what's the Lord gonna do in my life today? And like, I don't know. But I'm like, it's, it's the excitement of the unknown. And that's like, that's the journey that I've been on. It's weird, I know. Um, but it's, for me, it's just been like so exciting. It's like I sat down and talked to Brad. I was like, hey, am I crazy <laughs> doing this? Or like, is there maybe something to this? And I still haven't figured it out. I'm still very much trying to like sort through this. But I'm like, the more I talk to people and the more I try this, I'm like, no, it just feels like maybe this is biblical. Like, maybe the Lord wants to be a part of every area of my life. And so that's where I'm at. Um, it, there's been some really cool stories. I have already taken up more time than I should. Um, I would love, if you have questions or you want to talk about it more, I would love to talk about it. It's, um, I told Brad, I'm like, I just feel giddy excited about this, like, new journey that I'm on. But that's, that's where I'm at. So don't have it all figured out. Still very much in the beginning stages, but that's where I'm at. So...
yeah, praise God. You know, I'm, I'm preparing the sermon. And it's like, what a, like, could you think of a better illustration of what it means to truly live this question of Thomas? Like, I don't know where you're going. How do I know the way? And then I feel like Jay had just shared with me what that looks like to say, well, I, I trust that Jesus is the way. I don't know. I don't, I really don't know, but I want him and I want everything that he's prepared for me. And so I feel like, man, if you're encouraged and inspired, uh, I invite you to join Jay on this journey and just see what happens. You know, because part of this is do we really believe this, right? You believe in God, believe also in me. Like believe that this is actually true, that I am actually the way, the truth, and the life. That's our, our personal application. I want to get to one more application and that's the, the community aspect of it, you know, where uh, we skipped over the, the new command he gives you, you know, at the beginning. Uh, it says, and you guys probably know it, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Uh, this verse has been uh, rightfully grabbed onto by the church as this is a mark of who we are in Christ, what, what this looks like in the community. Uh, but it is kind of funny because Jesus doesn't make a big deal about it here. The disciples don't make it a big deal. Like literally the very next verse is Simon Peter asks him, wait, Lord, where are you going? You know, it's like, yeah, I get it. Love others. Yeah, yeah, Wait, what, what did you say about leaving us? Right? Even Thomas's question is like, yeah, but wait, wait, where are you going? I don't know the way. It's like, we are so focused on like, but what's the next step for me, God? You know, it's like, I, I want to know your will. I recognize you're doing something big. It's good. Where are you going? Yeah, love other. I, I get it. I get it. We'll do that. We'll do that. But, but hold on. Where are you going? With? It's like, what if we understood this entire passage and entire chapters that we're looking at to be part of the same message where Jesus is saying, this is where I'm going. Look, look, look. I'll, I'll break it down for you guys. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. Uh, that's not new. Right? Like when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest command? He said, love, your, uh, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, that's from Leviticus 19.18, which is one of the first books written in the Bible, thousands of years before Jesus. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So what's the new part? What was Jesus saying? This is what he added. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Right? Don't, don't love based on your love for yourself, but love your neighbor or love each other as I have loved you. The theme of this whole two chapters is Jesus' demonstrated love for his disciples. Right? Again, they, they did not know, they did not understand that it would be death on the cross in order to pay for their sins, in order that they might dwell with God. But he did just wash their feet, all of their feet. You know, and, and we talked about how that act itself was fulfilled in the cross. And now we can look back and we can see, oh, what Jesus is saying is, this is the way. This is my way that I am going is this self-sacrificial love that seeks to honor you at an extreme cost to myself. And so when they're saying, well, what's the way? Oh, I am the way, the truth, and life. What is the way of Jesus? What's the path he took? It's a self-sacrificial love. He's giving them what it is in the new command to love one another as he has loved them. So the community aspect, this isn't just an add-on or a tag, a throwaway, a, hey, you'll want to save this for later when you're trying to start the church kind of thing. No, th this is the definition of the way of Jesus. This is his path. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. He said the exact same thing in 13, right after you washed the feet, right? Same way that I have served you, you must serve one another. 
This is the way of Jesus that we have to go. And so I want to challenge us. Uh, I know we want what God wants for us. I know we want everything that Jesus has prepared for us, that everything his death on the cross accomplished for us. We want to dwell with God. What if, like Jay said, he's being serious. We, we have to follow Jesus, trust in him. What if we actually find it in self-sacrificial loving of each other? That that is the way of Jesus. It, it's, it's not at all about being a chemist or an economist or a pastor or a teacher. It, it's actually being a self-sacrificial lover of others. And what if that's where we found our greatest satisfaction in life, where we found the closeness of God dwelling with us in every aspect? Like, what if we actually took Jesus serious here? Like, what if he was actually telling us how we can be with God forever? So I want to challenge us. Uh, we do a good job of loving each other, talking with each other. Even the introverts, uh, they humor me and they ask questions to each other at the end of the, at the, end of the sermon. Uh, but we have so much more, guys. Like it's not just, like self-sacrificial love means at a cost to yourself. It's not just talking with the people that you like or gaining things out of the conversation or the friendships we have. It's talking to the person on the far side of the room that you don't even know their name or the, the person that's really annoying or the person that's totally unlike you or the person that really doesn't understand you, right? And puts you in this box that you just aren't in. It doesn't fit. That's the type of love that Jesus loved his disciples with. That's, that's the type of love that's gonna cause us to, to practice self-sacrifice. And I think that's the love where if we explore it, we will come to understand what it truly means to follow Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life to everything that he's prepared for us. So let's pray this morning. Dear Lord, uh, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you so much for your example. We thank you for your patience uh, with us, even as we don't understand what you're doing in our life, where you're going, or even the magnitude of what you did on the cross. Uh, God, give us that heart of love for others. Give us that heart of love for you, the desire to dwell with you as you desire to dwell with us. Help us appreciate all the preparation that you've done, the, the homeliness, the hospitality that you've prepared for us so that we can dwell with you forever. I pray that our church would experience that. I pray that we would take these bold steps uh, that Jay is leading us toward in terms of just inviting you into every aspect of our life so that we can trust you and truly follow you as our way, truth, and life, God. Uh, we love you. We thank you so much for your son. And in your son's name we pray, amen. All right, we're gonna take some time to discuss questions. I've got four questions for you, but you're not gonna get through all of them. Don't worry, just pick your favorite one. Uh, the first one is, what decisions in your life have you really sought God's will? So share maybe a uh, time of stories uh, where you really wanted to know, well, where does God have me? Uh, and then what happened? Uh, two, do you agree that God's will for you or will is for you to dwell with him? Is that God's ultimate goal for you? Would you add to that? Would you subtract to it? Um, how would you respond to that point? Uh, third, what does following Jesus and trusting him look like for you? This is the individual application. And then four, how can you self-sacrificially love others uh, here in this church? That's the communal application. Uh, so take, I'll give you like seven minutes and then I'll come up and then I'll dismiss you all. Uh, you can gather around the tables or just around however big a discussion group kind of fits uh, with the people around you.